Welcome to The Insider, the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning, and we're pleased to have as our guest for this particular Insider edition is Mayor Shane McFarland. Yeah, my pleasure to be here, Mike. It's good to have you with us again. Yeah, I always enjoy getting together. It, it's always fun just to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, have a conversation about so many things that are happening in Murfreesboro, yeah. and especially, it seems like lately, it's multiple issues that you are dealing with and the council is having to deal sure. with. Sure. Uh, just last council meeting, the workshop meeting, uh, this whole issue of minor league baseball came up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we we were, um, it, it was interesting because I had made a social media post about uh, an opportunity that we were um, brought. And, you know, there's always these feelings or thoughts that there's all this stuff happening behind the scene. I had a lady email me yesterday. She was like, look, I apologize for something I sent you because clearly I could tell this was all new information you were getting at our meeting. But we were approached, uh, a minor league baseball team, a double-A partner affiliate of Major League Baseball that selected Murfreesboro to, to come downtown and want to, to bring a team. Which is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, that was that was one of my questions. You know, why Murfreesboro? And they explained, you know, why that they pick Murfreesboro. Um, you know, why that they want to be downtown. Minor league baseball is different than some other sports. Where, you know, we had a lot of comments about, well, why don't you just take some vacant land that's on the outskirts of the city? And that's not what typically successful minor league teams have done because they don't want to go out in an area where they just pave over a big portion of land and plop a stadium there and everybody drives in they want something to where you know people can walk and there's foot traffic where people can frequent businesses and so they they you know showed interest in Murfreesboro I think it's important anytime that you have a business that is looking at relocating in your city that you at least have an open mind and that's really what the council did. We, the council was getting the information for the first time, so we all sat down. We listened to it. There was a lot of angst about um, demolishing Cannonsburg. The, if, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, Cannonsburg is a, a, a replica pioneer village that was built in 1976. It's part right? of the bicentennial. Yeah, yeah, relocated down into the bottoms area, and you know there was a rumor that we were going to demolish Cannonsburg and I'm, I wish I could go back. I made a comment that, you know, Cannonsburg could possibly be relocated. Kept the way it is, but just relocated. Like it was relocated in 1976. But I, I mean, that's not the intent of the city. I think everyone wants to keep Cannonsburg where it is, but you know, Mike, we've got challenges with that area, the bottoms area. We we did a study in 2016, 2017 that really showed some improvements in the area, and we've just not been able to get that area kicked off. And I think there's multiple reasons why that's um, why that's not occurred. But you know, I think you've heard me say this multiple times that over the 20 plus years of doing this, that I've lost my political filter and you know, the people who were sitting in the audience, none, no one in that audience can deny that the, that Cannonsburg area needs some help that, you know, we, we get comp or we get comments that, you know, that people don't feel safe there, that, you know, it's turned into a portion of the Greenway where you don't feel safe going as a single, you know, a, a, a lady by yourself. And so I think those are things that we take to heart that we want to improve. The baseball team, if, if I were a betting man, I would say I wouldn't be betting on a baseball team coming here. I think it's something we have to listen to. But we have so many priorities in this city with parks and roads that I'm not sure if a group came in and said, hey, we want you to spend $30 million for a stadium and we want the city to build that stadium. I'm not sure that we – I'm just speaking for me. I'm not sure that we would be ready to do that. There would have to be a very compelling reason how that the tax structure could be set up that the taxpayer wouldn't be on the hook for that. So that that's going to be a, a big discussion. One thing that came out of it, the American Association of Professional Baseball indicated that Clarksville, they actually named Clarksville as being a possible northern yeah. team. And 
prior to this becoming an issue, I wasn't aware, but apparently Clarksville's building a baseball stadium. I think so, yeah. And I don't know how they're financing it. I don't even know if you know how they're, they're no, doing it. No, I mean, I've, I've tried to get um, a lot of information. I don't think their stadium is under construction yet. It was, I think the land that they were talking about was actually the land that whenever um, in 2019 – when it was December 1st, 2019, when we went to Nashville and we pitched to the Tennessee State Soccer Association why that they should pick Murfreesboro to come to. I think Clarksville was pitching the same land that they, I think, are talking about this facility. Some, some type of sports facility. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm not real sure. Uh, I, I joke that I have so – we try to learn best practices for, from other cities – but we have so much going on here in the city. It's tough to keep up with other communities at the same time. Right. You know, if a stadium were built, um, the talk was that they would lease the stadium, but they, the stadium would still have to be financed in some way. Correct. Um, and, and that's always a difficult conversation with yeah. council and the public is, is how we're we going to pay for sure. it. Sure. Yeah. You know, it, you don't have to go very far to see what Nashville's done with, I think the state issued $500 million worth of bonds for the new $1.5 billion Titan Stadium. Right, there was right. public financing involved in Bridgestone. And, you know, I think it's it's very, I think you can make the argument, you know, Bridgestone in Nashville is the busiest arena in the country. Uh, and you look at the events that they continually have, so I think there is an argument that you could look at what is the overriding factor whenever you're looking at a public investment. For example, you know, what's the sales tax revenue? For example, if you were to create a sports authority, the state passed a law a couple of years ago where the, the, the municipality can keep 100% of the sales tax revenue. So, in, in, for example, that facility, we could keep nine and three quarters percent as opposed to right now we only get, you know, 2.375% because 50% goes to the state, 25% goes to the county, and we keep 25%. So I think there's an argument that you want to look at the – I think you have to look at the economic study to understand what the overall impact is. You know, And that's the process that we're in right now. Like yeah. you, you have the economic development study, the feasibility study, so it may come back and say, well, this would cost so much to try yeah. and do. And I mean, I, you, you know, I think um, we've got a lot of successful business people who are on the council, and our staff – our staff members are really good at, at looking and crunching numbers, and I think it's going to be an easy exercise to look at and say, okay, here's what the capital expenditure is going to be. Here's the sales tax revenue that would be generated from a facility if it were, le if it were used 200 uh, nights a year, which is what they were talking about. And then based upon economic development of improvement in the area, here's what we can anticipate in property tax revenue sales tax revenue in those so say for instance if someone goes and they want to build a restaurant you know next to the stadium because of the foot traffic so i think you look at all that and then you can make an, an educated decision on okay does this make sense or not but you know I've, I've been consistent in saying we've got blackman park that we're we've approved the design contract and we're now we've got nine million dollars set aside to build blackman park we we've got ball fields that need to be built out on highway 96 um, we've got numerous road projects that are that are under construction we've talked about another school that's going to be need to be built so that's 50 million dollars you know all of those things there's an expectation that those happen in the city and if we pick a project like a baseball team and those delay those other projects i don't think our community would take um, very take to that very well. And I do want to address all of those things you said individually, but before we do, one thing that seems to be definitely going forward is the redevelopment of, of downtown. I mean, yeah. that got approved by council. Broad Street. Broad Street redevelopment. They've called it the, the Keystone Project, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, so the Keystone Project, I mean, are, are you pretty comfortable with where that's going and the type of housing? Yeah, I, I am. Um, you, you know, it's a catch-22 because... You have a group that says, we want our downtown to improve. 
we want to have a safe downtown, but we don't want anyone to live there. You know, so the Broad Street project was bringing in, I think it was 85 condos, four sale condos, and then I think it was another 200 for rent condos. And I wish I could go back 20 years and make different decisions that were made on apartments, garden-style apartments, for example, on St. Andrews, Fortress Boulevard, Highway 99. I mean, I think you would handle some of those things differently. But we have zero, zero downtown living units in, in really what I call the downtown proper. There's none. You compare that to Knoxville, you compare that to Chattanooga, you compare that to, to even um, some extent, you know, Memphis. And all of those have very vibrant downtowns, especially I would, I would a more a better comparison would be Knoxville and, and Chattanooga. And we have none of that. And, you know, our small business owners, when you talk about traffic right now, they rely on people driving into the downtown parking and then going to their businesses there there's very few hey let's walk to the restaurant and one time it used to only be law offices it was pretty much court related yeah i mean everyone that the square was dead at night because it was all attorneys Mm -hmm. you're exactly right and it's turned over it's really growing now yeah i mean you know go to the alley you go to puckets you go to marinas you go to jack brown's i mean none of those were here 20 years ago, 15 years ago, Marina's what, of course, was. Um, but, you know, I think we have to we have to really look to the future of the downtown. And part of that, I think, is with the development like what Keystone is showing. And that includes a, a pedestrian bridge that goes over church or church and broad mm-hmm. um, to connect to the new Town Creek project, which is finally getting ready to get started. There are all these things that, you know, I think that the city has anticipated happening, but the the part, and and if you're a resident and you're, you're thinking about this, for example, the bottoms area, if you're not bringing activity down there, you don't want multifamily, you don't want condos, you don't want living area. Well, what else is supposed to go down there? You know, no one's going to go down in the bottom area and just build a restaurant with no one around them. And it's not generating hardly any revenue now. Very little. I mean, I would argue that it's probably costing the taxpayer revenue because, I mean, for example, last Wednesday when we were um, talking about this development, the, the developer and some of the city staff were over in the bottoms area and there was a police car, a fire truck, and an ambulance over there just at that moment. We, we've put together an entire div, uh, division of our police department to deal with homelessness and to deal with the some of the issues that we're dealing with down at the bottoms area. So the taxpayer is paying for that. And, and you know, our, my thought is if there's a way that activity breeds activity, and, and I said this the other day, we had a bunch of people in our audience, and Journey Home is really working hard for a new capital campaign to build a new building on land that they bought my question is how many people here are supporting journey home you know we need to be supporting those organizations that are working to deal with the homelessness issue in our city and that's really what broad street the broad street redevelopment the bottoms redevelopment that all just sort of ties into an overall picture i think to be able to improve so that development is going to proceed and one element of it is a hotel either a medium to a high-end type of hotel what do you think that would do for downtown Uh, i mean right now there's there's not a hotel downtown. I mean, I had a meeting just a few minutes ago with the, the gentleman who runs King's Hammer, which is formerly Murfreesboro Soccer Association, or Mur- Murfreesboro Soccer Club. And he was like, Shane, we've got to get more hotels in the city. You know, I think we have 5,500 hotel units in all of Rutherford County. Out of those 5,500 u- units, I mean, that includes the hotels out on South Church Street that, you know, have – well-documented like motels yeah Yeah. well-documented issues out there so really if you have someone that's coming in we have about 2500 true hotels that you know they call them flag hotels or you know like class class a that serve breakfast you know or have a buffet when you say 2500 you're talking about the units units yeah Yeah, 2500 rooms Mm -hmm. and he's he was telling me he's like look we we have 2,500 people coming in for one event 
and that's not including if they're those hotels are rent are, are renting to other people or, or booking for other people for example when taylor swift was in town in nashville a lot of people from Nashville that were staying coming to Taylor Swift came and stayed in Murfreesboro because the hotels were so expensive in Nashville. Well, aren't the business people like the Hilton, aren't they looking at those numbers and saying that would work? Yeah, so that's my that's my point that we need more hotels. He's booking in Lebanon for his teams to come to the soccer facility in Cherry Lane because there's not enough hotels in, in Murfreesboro. And I think that activity in like the downtown the downtown hotel there's not a hotel downtown so if you're coming to mtsu and you're a family that is coming in to stay for your student or you're coming to a ball game or there's nothing around downtown you have to drive out to medical center parkway or old fort parkway or you know 231 to be able to have a hotel i think the 100 unit a hundred room hotel downtown would be a huge success and people like to stay downtown I mean we were we were in Knoxville two weekends ago to go uh, visit our kids in college and we stayed downtown we walked everywhere we never moved our car and you're talking about the Market Street area yes yeah yeah, we we stayed close Mm -hmm. to the Market Street area and we were almost right in the center where we could walk to Market Street and then we could walk to campus but we never moved our car and we Mm -hmm. went you know, to eat at different restaurants. And, I mean, it, it was – I think Murfreesboro has that opportunity. Speaking of walking and walkability, so part of this is the daylighting, daylighting of Town, Town Creek, and that's been discussed – it goes all the way back to 2016, yeah. I think, when it was first addressed. And part of the issue is is buying up property along there. Sure. How is that going? I mean, are, are we, we going to start seeing some actual work? Yeah, think I think so? – I'm being told that first of next year, end of this year, that – the bidding process will start to select the contractor. It's it's moved very well. Uh, you know the city the city does not like taking people's property, but in this case, you had a bunch of dilapidated older businesses that were on Broad Street that really weren't even um, they weren't even applicable to today to today's zoning. You know there's no parking. So, you know, back 70, 50, 50, 60 years ago when those buildings were built, everyone was okay that you come off of Broad Street and you just park right in front of the building. That's where the parking was. Well, you can't do that now. Broad Street's too busy. Mm-hmm. Those buildings needed um, needed help, but no one could redevelop those buildings. The parcels were so small, and you couldn't get the parking on there. So they and- ju- they just ended up being what they were the city was able to acquire all those which now we can go ahead and start construction of of town creek and we're helping transition some of those businesses so do you think some of those businesses will actually better themselves in the new location yeah i mean some of them some of them have already relocated you know um i think the one bit the one last one is the discount muffler shop i think it's the one that we've we've the staff's really been working with but i mean like that that discount muffler shop wouldn't even be able to build where it is right now it's like 0.2 acres no parking everything has to come in from the front you know you know and i mean broad street now is not really a great spot to put a an auto repair shop i mean we consistently are dealing with that as you get further down broad street headed heading north where we've got issues with the car lots in the auto repair shops that park on the side of the road and I mean an elderly lady got t-boned the other day because she couldn't see where some a delivery truck was parked in front of one of the 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 places there she she couldn't see so I I think those are all things that we continually work on you're a pilot recently I guess within the last year so you you spent a lot of time training for that and one of the issues coming up this very day as we speak before the council is going to be the submission of an application for a tower at the airport. Yes. Um, Do you expect that boat to go through? I mean, it's it's something they've been working on for a while. Yeah, I really hope so. I I talked to Chad Gerke, the director of um, the airport today, and it passed passed the airport commission four to two. Two So it wasn't unanimous? No, which I want to talk to the two the two individuals on the airport commission, I think they wanted to wait. And it's crazy because 
and I listened to this gentleman when we had the public, the open house. So for those that are listening, what an air traffic control tower does, it is really a director for planes coming in and out of your airspace. And as Nashville's airport, it's turned into one of the busiest airports in the country now. Their, their Class Charlie airspace is now extending over Smyrna. And they're thinking that the, the Class C airspace is going to go to Class B airspace. B, a good, it's a good way to think about this, is it's the busiest airspace. That's like Atlanta, Chicago, New York, L.A. I mean, all of those, those major cities. And Nashville being a, a, a tourist destination now, it's a very busy airport. So does that make the need for our tower greater? Well, I think... There is absolutely zero argument that a tower makes an airport safer. And it's hard to believe this, but Murfreesboro ranks in the top three busiest airports in Tennessee. You have Nashville, you have Memphis that has FedEx, and then you have Murfreesboro. And we are a non-tower general aviation airport. And part of that has to do with the intensive flight training that MTSU has. So there is no doubt and the, the consultant that has been working on this is nationally renowned in dealing with these type of studies. And he's like, look, Murfreesboro absolutely should have a tower. So it's about a three-year process. And that's what I really want to talk to the two individuals who voted against it. Um, what we're really just saying is that we want to start the process now now and about 90 percent of the funding comes from the federal government it's all from the federal government it would cost the the airport about seventy thousand dollars a year and the thing is there's no argument that a tower it makes your airport safer it makes your residents safer because that person is for example i flew in from Asheville on tuesday and when i came i was coming back i was headed west coming coming from Asheville, and when i got to murfreesboro I very rarely get nervous until I'm coming into Murfreesboro. In Murfreesboro, there was four or five planes in the pattern. There's one plane that, and the guy could not have been nicer. It was the MTSU yellow. They have a super cub, like a, an older, sort of like a backcountry plane. Well, to give you an idea, that plane goes about 90 miles an hour in the pattern. Well, I'm coming in, and I'm— That's slow, right? Pretty slow, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm coming in, and I'm going about 135 miles an hour. And, and so I'm trying to get in line behind him. And the Without overtaking him. And the slowest that I can get is 120 knots, which is about 140 miles an hour. So we, we talked, and I'm like, hey, Super Cub, how fast are you going? He said 80 knots. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to get in and slow down. And, I mean, immediately he said, well, hey, let me break off of the pattern. You go in front of me. You're oh, faster. Nice. So yeah. it couldn't have gone any better. But that's what an air traffic control controller does. The air traffic controller – but before you get 20 miles of Murfreesboro, they're coordinating you coming in and out. Makes sense, yeah. And, and that, it's just, it's safer. So the thing that I, you know, again, I want to talk to the, the members of the airport commission, but, you know, we're criticized quite often about not planning for the future. We're, we're sort of criticized that, hey, you didn't plan to get this road built. And really what we're saying out the airport, we want to plan on making sure that we get this process done and, you can't just wait, um, and I think we've learned that as a city that if you wait on growth, it gets ahead of you. Yes, right. You want to be ahead of it. Yes. if you can. And so I think that's what we're we're really talking about with the airport. Where are we with Blackman Park? I think uh, we're kind of in the design stage of that that yeah. park over there off of Veterans. So yeah, so uh, a lot of the residents I hope know, but we had this crazy idea. I was sitting in a meeting with Craig, and it was back in November two years ago and you know we had 120 acres that was surrounded by 840 veterans parkway burnt knob road um and vaughn road typically you don't have a park surrounded by a major interstate and three other roads but that was the only park property we could find that was the old mcdonald property and middle tennessee electric had 153 acres that has veterans parkway in front of it but then it's surrounded by the berkshire neighborhood and the cloister neighborhood so I told Craig, I just said, hey, that's park property. And if Middle Tennessee Electric's not going to build on that property, we have commercial property. They have park property. Why don't we see if we can flip or we can swap the property? 
So I called Chris Jones and said, Chris, this is a crazy idea. Don't laugh at me, but you've got property that's surrounded by a neighborhood that you talk about wanting to build your corporate headquarters and a lay down yard and all this stuff. And we've got property that has really no neighbors around it, but it's got interstate access. Wouldn't it make more sense you guys take that property and we take your property? And he was like, you know, I never thought about that, but yeah. We go through the process and we end up with their 153 acres. That's now going to be where the Blackman Park is going to be located. more of a neighborhood type park. Yeah. I think what everyone has talked about is more of a community park, walking trails, maybe a splash pad, pavilions, open space, volleyball courts, pickleball courts, things mm-hmm. like that that the community can use. No, no ball fields. Where you walk to it. But then you did raise the idea of ball fields are needed. Yeah, I think we – we, we've really failed on not getting more ball fields. I mean, we, we, we've actually taken away more ball fields than we've added over the last 20 years. I mean, we've taken away Oakland's Park, and we've taken away – I used to play softball at Samsonite. We've, we could have done better on that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's our responsibility or as the leader of the city, we say when we do something right and when we say when we've done something wrong, and we've, we've failed – I think we've failed overall – on getting new park property in use, and that includes baseball fields. How complicated is it to be designing the neighborhood park that you talk about, mm-hmm. but then also be working toward the park where you'd have ball fields over on further down 96? I mean, it, can you do all those simultaneously? Yeah, it's that old saying, it's just time and money. <laughs> and it, it, it's... It's not, I mean, I, I talked to the mayor, Mary Esther, she's the, you know, the mayor of Smyrna. I talked to her Saturday. We were at the ball field at Cedarstone Park that they just built in Smyrna last year. We were there Saturday and Sunday. It's four turf fields and a playground and $8.2 million for four fields, not including land. And we're talking about building eight to ten. Realistically, it's probably another $20 million to build those ball fields, and then you Couple that with Blackman Park, a, a ten million dollar project, more than likely on on the community park, thirty million dollars just right there, and that's not thirty million dollars that's going to bring in a ton of revenue. I mean, it will bring in some because mm-hmm. people baseball tournaments and those things will be there. But really, what you're you're bringing on is debt service and operational more operational costs which i'm for I, I i think we need those facilities but it's trying to figure out how we how we we mesh all that together speaking of that the the budget and uh tax revenue that kind of thing the economy right now the, there's the national economy and there's the local economy and the national economy is is forcibly being slowed by the federal reserve yeah. in order to see, try and deal you know what they did yesterday which, i didn't they they Left it put. the same, but they talked all about how they're going to have to keep those rates yeah. higher for longer. Um, so, I mean, at the local level, you're kind of at the mercy of what they do, and then if they hurt the economy, then that affects the local government. We've been monitoring sales tax revenue <laughs> very close the last four or five months. We're above budget on our sales tax revenue, but it's because everything costs so much more. I mean, I think people are spending the same. It's not that, you know, people are spending going out and buying more stuff. It's just that what we were buying is double the cost now. So the sales tax revenue is more. And that's the part that I think is frustrating. And and I'm not going to get on my political soapbox to talk about the Republicans or the Democrats. I think no matter what party you follow, we both parties have, have blame. But what's happened with the inflationary issues inside our our market i mean it is everything is expensive now and and look this is the tough part typically when you see prices go up they don't come back down you know if somebody's charging you x number of dollars for something that they now are charging double when the market can come down there's not incentive because they're you're used to already paying that that amount as someone who works in construction and having to finance 
the building of homes. Yeah. So you are probably very close to the people that are trying to do this in our community. I know that Clary Park development, that's a big developer from either Atlanta or somewhere that's building a lot of housing there. And that's visibly yeah. growing. But what are the, how are you dealing with the, the fact that the construction cost the and, and financing it is the so The capital high? market right now, I, I, the reason I was in Asheville, I was, I was at a financial conference to I mean, really try to learn more information. And I mean, you're, when, when your prime interest rate is in the low eights right now, you know, in a, in a year and a half ago, it was three. That changes everything. You know, we, there's, there's several projects that were coming into the city that have put a pause because their pro forma doesn't work when their interest rate is almost three times what they anticipated. And, and that not only, not only does that affect the, you know, the person who's in construction or who's in, you know, whatever uh, job, but it, it affects the ability for mom and pop small businesses to expand or to have capital investments because the interest rate is so high. Or, you know, the liquidity is the big word right now within any bank or any business you having liquidity which is basically saying you have cash and it, it's really gotten to be tough from a, a business owner because interest is their interest rates are so expensive right now and that in turn has hurt the mortgage market because what when someone could afford a house at three percent or four percent well now that you've got a house that the interest rate is six and a half, seven and a half percent. Well, you've cut your your borrowing power in by half, and th and where that dovetails, Mike, is it dovetails into affordability, and you can't afford when when your costs are so expensive. Trying to build affordable homes makes it tough, and that's that's really where I get frustrated. That you know you have a segment of the residents who say more affordability, more affordability, but we don't want any townhomes or apartments. apartments. Yeah. And you gotta pick one or the other. You can't say you want affordable housing without townhomes, or you can't say you, do, you want affordable housing without apartments. And, and, and the honest fact is a lot of our younger generation, it's not important to them to have home ownership anymore. They want to be flexible they want to be able to move and they want to be able to spend their money you hear this routinely i've read so many articles on this they they want to spend their money on experiences right. <laughs> you know, they want to travel travel and enjoy yeah. life yeah. and so instead of you know being tied to a mortgage they're like well look i'd rather just rent something and i'm going to go do all kinds of stuff before i have a family and settle down and so that's the tough part right now is trying to balance all that how do you see that impacting uh, the local economy? Well, I mean, we benefit for the fact that we're one of the fastest growing cities in America, so we probably don't see it as bad as maybe some cities that are really trying to attract people. Sure. But how will next year, if we, if we go into a recession, which a lot of people are talking about? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we've set the city up in, we're in the best financial shape it, it, as a city, I think, than we've ever been in. You know, we've we've put more money into our general fund, which is our savings account, our rainy day fund. Last year we were we put over twenty one million. The year before we were twenty seven million. Over the last three years it's close to seventy million dollars that we've saved either through aggressive budgeting and making sure that when we set a budget that we stick to it and then at the same time being blessed that we've taken in more sales tax revenue than what we budgeted. I think that it will allow us to not have to talk about any revenue increases moving forward. I think that's a great spot to be in. Couple that with the decision that we made to sell Murfreesboro Electric Department. We got that liability off of our balance sheet on having to borrow money to for lots of different things that we were going to have to do. And now, you know, we've got money that's sitting in the bank that we're able to fund through capital project for capital projects. And that money brings in additional revenue every year. 
In fact, some of that money is going to start the park. Yeah, it's going to start the park. It's already, we're using some of that money. We designated four road projects, uh, for example, the bridge over I-24. There's a lot of the road projects that we, Malloy Lane, that we had, had, had worked on. So, I, you know, there's a lot of things I think we've tried to budget for in case that recession hits. But where it's going, where it's going to hurt, and this is where it's been really tough on the city, as things cost more, as it costs our employees more, we're trying to attract, for example, in police and fire, we're trying to attract the same employees that everyone else is trying to attract. I mean, for example, the state, uh, the Tennessee Highway Patrol, the governor announced a plan this, this year where the starting salary for a Tennessee Highway Patrolman is $68,000, and they want to guarantee that by the end of a five-year period that you're with the Tennessee Highway Patrol, you're making $100,000. I am all for that. I think it's we need to – I mean, Murfreesboro has led the state in increases for our – our police and fire if you look over the last three or four years i think it's like 30 percent that we've increased our our pay but you know our starting salary for a police officers fifty four thousand, and really we're in the tops in the state and so when you're taking fifty four thousand and you're comparing that to sixty eight thousand, well the state has in turn said we're going to poach all of the good employees from the municipalities and the counties I think they had 1,100 people who applied at the Tennessee Highway Patrol. And, and my point is we're all competing for the same talent. And I think that's where the, the issue is going to be as a city. As we hit a, a recession, we still have to compensate our employees because if we don't compensate our employees, someone else will. Uh, you mentioned the, the road projects, and there are about uh, 40 to 50 ongoing, somewhere around that, that number. And one that really stands out to me that was a, it was kind of one of those low-hanging fruits that uh, Chris Griffith refers to, and I benefit from because I'm, I live on the west side. But now I come in on 96, and it's widened and repaved. That was, that was a big win, and it's really smoothed the, the traffic uh, going in and out of Murfreesboro every day. Yeah, that, that was a great project. You're getting ready to see Old Fort Parkway is going through the process. Of, we've submitted to the state to widen Old Fort Parkway. There's a... On through where the shopping is. Is all, that what you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, all the way back to the to the Bob, the, the bridge mm -hmm. over Broad. Right. I, I can't, I still, yeah, bridge over Broad. I think it will always be known as the <laughs> as the Bob, the bridge over Broad. Right. Um, yes, there, you know, we the, the governor announced a new plan this earlier this year called the Build Better program. And the average state road project, I think the number's 14 years from start to finish to be able to, to design and engineer and, and build yeah. a, a state project. And they wanted to, to cut that in half. And, you know, this is not a, the state TDOT and the state are great partners of ours. But the majority of the roads in Murfreesboro are all state roads. Highway 96, Highway 99, 231, Bradyville Pike, Broad Street, Memorial, Thompson Lane. I mean, I can keep naming And those that. are the roads people want improved. Right. Those are the roads that and they And they come to us or they come to the city for that. And, yeah. you know, that was one of the things that we've really worked on is being able, instead of the sit, the, relying on the state for all the funds, is we come to the state and say, hey, we've got money in the bank. We want to help. That's why I think you're going to see Tom, you know, Thompson Lane is under right-of-way acquisition right now. That's going to be a four-year project. Uh, Highway 99 is on phase two of their project, and then they'll move to phase three, which will be from Cason Lane to Veterans Parkway. Highway 96 is is in process on, on that. Old Fort Parkway, we're hoping. We submitted for 231 from Thompson Lane all the way to Jefferson Pike to be a, a, actually a 1,000 feet past Jefferson Pike to be able to be to be widened. We've got Bradyville Pike um, is a big mm -hmm. one that is supposed to be let and under construction first of next year. So we're trying to get as many of these state projects. But the thing for the resident to understand, the governor's program, I think, put out $700 million for Middle Tennessee. 
what division in the state out of the three grand divisions is the fastest growing in Tennessee? Well, the Middle Tennessee, of course, yeah. So we're fighting for the same money that Davidson right. County gets distributed for, everywhere. that Sumner County that's growing, Williamson County, Murray County. I mean, all these counties are and cities are fighting for the same funds, and, and that makes it um, that makes it tougher. Well, what all these projects say is that uh, you and the council have heard the voice of the people, and, and you're trying to do whatever you can to try to improve the traffic, and, and that's one of the things that people complain about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go back and look at our, our borrowing, 70% of our borrowing for many years has always gone to road projects. But the issue is, as soon as you build that road, it's at capacity because people immediately start using it. And, and that's, uh, I think that's a cultural issue that we don't ride share here. We don't, you know, we don't have a, a, a robust public transportation system. I don't think that's anything negative towards the city. We've got a great system, but our city is not designed to be able to have your typical right you know, transit tra type transit system. type mm -hmm. system. We're more of what they call a hub and spoke that, you know, you start at the hub and then you go out, but then once you go out, you got to come back. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something we'll, you know, we'll we'll continue to work on as we grow. But we've really, as a city, said for years now that growth needs to be density inside the city and work our way out, as opposed to where 20, 25 years ago we were saying let's let's grab property on on the outskirts of Murfreesboro and work our way back in. We want to be able to to grow to where we are, we can provide services. The uh, the economy may slow, but I don't know if it's going to slow much in Murfreesboro. I mean, the way it's growing, it just, people keep uh, buying property and building. COVID, I think, really put that on fast forward. I think the number's like 26, 26 people a day are moving into Murfreesboro. But I believe this in my heart, and this is probably is going to sound like a political thing i think most people just want government to provide the best services that they can provide and then they want government to leave them alone and that's why people are moving to middle tennessee from all over the country you know we we see all the people from california that are moving here i think people from the east coast are moving here True. my boys in college uh, some of their friends that they've met are all from the east coast and west coast where they didn't even this is nothing against those areas, but they wanted to come to the South to where they could get away from a lot of the political environment and they just wanted to get their education. And I think that's one of the things that the city has been good about is we've tried to stay above all that and we want to provide the best services we can. And that correlates to where what you're talking about, Mike. I don't know if, I mean, you look at the three states that everyone is moving to right now, Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. Mm -hmm. I think there's a big reason people are moving there. Those states don't have income tax. I think there's a big reason mm -hmm. why people are, are doing that. But Quality of life is higher, it yeah, seems like. Yeah, and I Weather. think that's mm -hmm. our goal to make sure that as people move here, we are able to keep that quality of life as, as high as we as we can. I'll just finish on, on, this is a little bit of a political thing, but I'd like to get your insights on it. Uh, Pew Research just came out with a poll and it showed that the public's perception of the political system, and mainly what they're talking about is political parties, is at the lowest level it's ever been. And people are frustrated, for one, by their choice coming up in the election, but, yeah. but more so just by the whole institution of government. And I've heard you talk about it before. There is a difference between the federal level and the local level. Um, but that's that's got to be... Uh, Regardless of whether you lay all that on the federal government, it's still government, and it's got to be a challenge to look at the way the public trust of government yeah. is today. I take a, I really take it serious the position that you know I've been fortunate enough to be put in because, like the Cannonsburg thing, you know, you try to be very transparent to let people know what's going on and, and I get it because there's so much distrust in politics now because everything is done from a narrative you know there's a narrative for example Mike that you know we're trying to ban books inside the city of Murfreesboro which couldn't be 
further from the truth. What the city is looking at, and it's really not the city, it's the library board. I told you I lost my political filter, so we're discussing whatever. It's fine. I tried to respond back to a lady on Facebook who was saying that we were censoring books, which is not the case. But I posted the two two pages of an example of a book for children and minors. Minor is defined 12 to 17 at the library. Facebook took that down because those images violated community standards. So I can't post those books on Facebook to let somebody look at, but it's okay to say that a 12-year-old can go check the book out. To me, that just doesn't make common sense i mean you know i think if and and i can't even i wouldn't even show you the pictures here because we would have to bleep you couldn't show those on city tv but i think most people no matter what community you're a part of and i think that's what is good about murfreesboro that they end up saying hey that's not right this is common sense and people have lost that trust in elected officials you know, people will always ask me, there was a poll that got run like two years ago or three years ago that some group out of Washington did a did a poll and I had started having people calling me saying, hey, I got a, a phone call if you if I would vote for you running against Scott Desjardins for Congress. So I ended up tracking down who did that. And I'm, I'm like, hey, why did y'all do that? We're like, well, we wanted to get some information. They didn't even ask me about doing that. I have no desire to go to Washington because I just see the total chaos that those groups deal with daily, that people don't trust. I think Congress is at its lowest approval rating in the history of our country. You're right, yeah. And at our heart, that's not what you see in local politics. I mean, we live in the community that we serve. We go to the same grocery stores. We, We go to the same ball fields, the same restaurants. We're here every single day. And that's no disrespect to the people in Washington, but I don't think our country was founded on full-time politicians that go into elected office, mm-hmm. and when they come out, they're gazillionaires when they come out of office. And government's supposed to be about problem solving more than it is about politics, but it's kind of what the – I mean, at the local level, it yeah. seems to be more about problem yeah, solving. Yeah, and, that, and that's really what we do. We solve problems in in it's so tough now because it didn't used to be this way, but that's slowly bled down into the local side. And, and man, as long as I'm here, I want to keep our focus on providing services to the best possible level that we can and not all the other stuff because all the other stuff is noise, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, And I was talking to my 11 year old, and I would tell this to most students that I speak with, everyone gets focused on the on the national level on what's happening. But your local politi- your local governments affect your daily life way more than what happens at the at the at the other at the national level. I mean, I can't tell you what happens every day at the at the national level, but I guarantee you most people that are here will keep up what's happening in their community. So, I, I mean, I, I want to keep it. We're not always going to agree on everything. I think most, if you were to look at most things in our community, we agree on a whole lot more than what we disagree on. But it's my role that, you know, whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, you're politically agnostic, if you're gay, straight, whatever our job is to provide services for everyone i mean we don't ask you if you're a democrat or republican when we pick your trash up and and i'm i think we've got to make sure as a council that we stay committed to that broader goal of providing services now look i think there's also going to be times when what we've talked about at the library that you see some of this stuff and you've got other people who are trying to push agendas and you have to stand up and say, that's not right. That's not right for a 12-year-old. That's not right for a 7-year-old to be able to do that. And, and that's the great thing about Murfreesboro, that most people will look at that and say, whether, again, what community you're a part of, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Well, I have to say, uh, we appreciate uh, what you do, your transparency, the fact that you're taking time with us here today. Yeah, 
a lot of people would say, well, you work for them, so wouldn't you say that? But I, I truly believe yeah. as a citizen that uh, you're always out there working hard, you're listening to people, uh, you're dealing with a lot of text messages and emails, and I appreciate the work you do. Yeah, you know, Mike, there's not a day that's gone by that I've not enjoyed this. You know, and, that, and that's, you, you, I'm 40, just turned 49, and, and that's always a question of like, hey, are you going you gonna to do this again? And I mean, there's 2026 is such a big year of projects that, you know, as long as I'm enjoying this, I, I want to keep it, it as long as I'm healthy and my mind's good. But, you know, we have got to do a better job at cultivating our next leaders inside the city. We've got a very young council. You know, Sean Wright is, is young. Jamie Averwater is not even 30 yet. So, I mean, I think we're trying to get people involved. And, and that would be the thing I would tell you. If you are not involved in this city and you want to be involved in this city, we, we have over 250 volunteer people who are on our boards and commissions. And they do the heavy work that make recommendations to your city council. So it's hard. My mom and dad taught me this, and I've tried to relay it to my kids. If you don't vote, and you don't want to get involved, then you can't complain. Right. And we really need people to get involved with our local government. Mm -hmm. and you want people to be involved. Yeah. And, and you know, whether you agree or, or disagree with every decision we make, I mean, if it's like your, it's like your wife, one of the, one of the, the best things I ever heard someone, t heard someone tell me is that if I look to my wife to provide my happy, happiness every day, then how unfair is that to her? And not only that, you know, I'm putting my my joy somewhere else. So if as a resident you're looking to an elected official to make you happy, then you're going to be solely mistaken. Be a part of the process yeah, of improving we, things, right? We want you to be part of the city. And, and they can do that simply by calling City Hall and submitting their information to become a part of the process. It's right? even easier. You can click on murfreesboro.tn.gov, go up to the search, and just search a board and commission questionnaire. And there's an online app that you can, or excuse me, an online application that you can fill out that goes direct, directly to my office. And we have that as things come available we will get you involved somewhere inside the city. Because I know you're constantly making those appointments at the end of almost every council meeting you have appointments to make. Yeah, and unfortunately, we, we've been, fortunately, we've been blessed that we've got a lot of people that have been able to serve inside the city. Unfortunately, we, ended, we end up having to reappoint those individuals to multiple, multiple terms because we don't have people who want to fill those positions. So if you want to get involved, please get involved inside the city. All right, we'll take that to heart. And, Mayor, thanks so much for joining us on The Insider and being our guest today. Anytime, Mike. All right. The podcast has originated from City Hall. Thanks for listening to The Insider via Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music Audible, and Google Podcast. You can also watch The Insider on YouTube. Our producer is the hardworking and award-winning Michael Nevels. For more information on the fast-growing city of Murfreesboro, you can go to murfreesboro.tn.gov. Insider is the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Thanks again for joining us.